You're listening to Time in the Word. The imagery of the soldier is used many times in Scripture to depict the Christian. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.4, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Jude was a soldier of the cross. In his short epistle, Jude leaves no Christian out. Every Christian must realize that they have been called to battle, to contend earnestly for the faith. Many Christians have the strange idea that it is the responsibility of the preacher, teacher, and theologian to safeguard and contend for the faith, but nothing could be further from the truth. By our silence, we have given the enemy a great advantage. Silence will do more to ensure the enemy's success and hinder the cause of Christ than all of Satan's strategies. It is the responsibility of all believers to contend earnestly for the faith. As soldiers of the cross, we are all commanded by God to proclaim and defend the truth. While sitting in prison awaiting his execution, in 2 Timothy 4-7, just a few verses later, Paul wrote, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Our love for Jesus Christ and others should compel us to stand for truth. The proclamation of the gospel and defense of the faith is the duty of every child of God. Let us listen to Dr. Gonzalez as he continues his current study in Jude. Let's turn to uh, Jude in our Bibles. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 3, although the focus of today's study is going to be verse 3 since we've already covered verses 1 and 2. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are the called, loved by God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Verse 3. Beloved, While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So we find in his epistle that Jude leaves no Christian out. Every single Christian must realize that they have been called to battle. Jude was a soldier of the cross. And that imagery of the soldier is used many times in Scripture to depict the Christian. You recall that Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.4, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. There are several things that stand out in this verse. We find that Jude's exhortation is to all believers. Listen to what he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you, Concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude had originally planned to write a letter concerning our common salvation. Instead, he ends up writing, uh, urging believers to contend earnestly for the faith. That word, notice to whom Jude addressed his admonition. Three times in this verse, he uses the word you showing that these instructions are for every believer. Many Christians have this strange notion that it is the preachers or the teachers or the theologians' responsibility to safeguard the truth and to contend earnestly for the faith. But nothing could be further from the truth. Our silence is one of the best advantages we have given the enemy. Silence will do more to ensure the enemy's success and hinder the cause of Christ than just about any strategy that Satan may have. It is the responsibility of all believers to contend earnestly for the faith. As soldiers of the cross, we are all commanded by God 
to both defend and to declare or proclaim the truth. And then we also find here Jude's original intent for writing. Again, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. So, though the main theme of Jude is apostasy, it's not where the epistle begins in the sense that Jude originally intended or desired to write about our common salvation. And that word common uh, is, is not to be taken in the sense of cheap or plain, but it is common in that there's only one plan of salvation for all people. Jude was eager to write about the salvation that we share. Jude had originally intended to write about the glorious salvation that is the common possession of all believers. I'll tell you, religion has done an incredible job of confusing this whole issue of salvation by grace. However, while man's religion has come up with a variety of different plans of salvation, God's word makes it quite clear that there's only one way to be saved. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way, and to teach otherwise is to preach another gospel, which, by the way, according to Paul, is no gospel at all. Listen to Paul's clear warning in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6-9. through 9. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. Now, speaking of Jesus Christ, uh, Peter said in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Jude had been set free from the bonds of sin, and now he was a servant of Jesus Christ, and the joy of his heart was to preach the gospel to others. We also find in this verse the reason uh, why uh, Jude changed the theme of the epistle. He says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. Though the theme of salvation was heavy upon his heart, God had other plans. That word necessary carries the idea of constraint. So it's the Spirit of God who constrained you to expose and address apostasy instead of writing about salvation. Ultimately, it was not up to Jew to decide what he was going to write. The Holy Spirit is the Bible's author. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. I like the way the New Living Translation renders this ver- these two verses. It says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit as they spoke from God. It is unfortunate that in many churches today, there's a, there's a heavy emphasis on all sorts of programs. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not opposed to 
programs. I'm not saying that programs are inherently wrong. But what I do see is that programs are being implemented while they're either intentionally or unintentionally ignoring doctrinal heresy. We live in a day when religion is eaten up with the spirit of getting together and getting along. Ecumenicalism has in many instances given way to rampant apostasy. There should be an emphasis on winning the lost for Christ, while at the same time we must be careful to never forsake or compromise sound biblical doctrine. The distorted modern teaching on love has become an ecumenical excuse for the unequally yoking of everyone and everything that comes down the pike. When the Holy Spirit stressed the need to contend earnestly for the faith, he was in no way diminishing the importance of salvation or evangelism, but he was stressing the need to stand for truth and to preach the whole counsel of God. This ought to serve as a strong warning to those who excuse false doctrine and ungodliness in order to just get the crowd. When a preacher is truly submissive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will preach the whole counsel of God no matter who is listening. We also find in this verse that Jude is essentially exhorting us to exhort others. He writes, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. When the faithful believer faithfully contends for the faith, that believer is in essence, essence exhorting others, exhorting his hearers. Paul charged Timothy to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage or exhort with great patience and teaching, 2 Timothy 4.2. That word exhort means to use words or arguments to incite to good deeds. It carries the idea of admonishing, of encouraging, of walking alongside. Today, when Christians stand against sin and apostasy, they're usually branded as unsocial or unloving, intolerant, and even antagonistic. Now, it is true that some Christians are unloving and antagonistic in their stand, and that should never be the case. The biblical idea of exhortation means much more than simply preaching or speaking the truth. It is speaking the truth plus walking alongside of and encouraging. It is not enough to simply speak about what is wrong. Biblical preaching or biblical speaking, contending earnestly for the faith, involves encouraging and helping people come to know and grow in the Lord. There is such a thing as a perfect balance between truth and love. The Bible teaches that when we genuinely love God and others, we will be truthful. As Paul said in Ephesians 4.15, we are to speak the truth in love. True biblical love will manifest itself in truth and action. Listen to what John said in 1 John 3.18. Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. A Christian without compassion will do much damage both to people and the cause of Christ. Let us also consider Jude's actual exhortation. 
Again, Jude commands that we contend earnestly for the faith. That word earnestly carries the idea of zealously, persistently, eagerly, with real desire. It, it carries the idea of expending enormous effort on, beha- on behalf of something. It speaks of being relentlessly committed to something. Now, contrary to popular opinion, the Christian life is not an easy, quote, ride to heaven. Quite often, the gospel is presented in such a way that it almost makes the responding sinner feel or think that they're almost doing God a favor by getting saved. People are often led in this cheap one, two, three, repeat after me, four, five, six, hope it sticks kind of prayer. And then those who have prayed that prayer are then sent out with little or no discipleship to get others to repeat the same little ditty. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This is a sad truth about many, quote, professing Christians. They have repeated a prayer, but absolutely nothing has changed. Biblical Christianity calls for absolute commitment is something that we are supposed to be earnest about. May we who call him our Savior give ourselves wholly to him. I mean, attacks were being made and are being made on the sacred deposit of Christian truth. And efforts were already launched and are being launched to whittle away the great fundamental doctrines of our faith. God's people must stand uncompromisingly for the inspiration, infallibility, the inerrancy and authority, and the sufficiency of God's precious word. It should go without saying that in order to contend earnestly for the faith, you have to know what you believe and why. And the only way that's going to happen is if We are faithful students of the word. Listen to Paul's words in 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. We're also able to glean from this uh, uh, verse that Jude truly understood the nature of the conflict. Contend is Jude's exhortation. West's word studies of the Greek New Testament says the word speaks of a vigorous, intense, determined struggle to defeat the opposition. Our word agony is the English spelling of the noun form of this word. The Greek athletes exerted themselves to the point of agony in an effort to win the contest. With such intense effort does Jude say that saints should defend the doctrines of Christianity. Listen, the Christian life is a spiritual warfare in which we must daily contend with the enemy. In Ephesians, Paul likened the Christian life to that of a soldier on a battlefield. Paul uses such terms as stand, wrestle, and withstand to describe the intensity of the conflict. The Christian life is not one of ease and comfort. Instead, it is an all-out war, and Satan is the aggressor. You recall what Paul said in Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Notice that word, struggle, in, in that passage. This is not a war that is fought from a distance. It is up close, 
in our face, hand-to-hand combat. We must strive against Satan and his messengers as we contend for the faith. Our Lord commands in Luke 19.13, engage in business until I come back. The term engage in business means to busy oneself with or to trade. What is the Lord saying? That the Christian soldier is to be conducting business for Christ until he comes. Sitting in a prison awaiting his execution, Paul said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, 2 Timothy 4.7. Our love for Jesus Christ and our love for others compels us to stand for truth. Again, the defense of the faith is the duty of, of every child of God. Contending for the faith is necessary if we're going to see people saved and living victorious lives. Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Notice that Peter referred to the false doctrine of the apostates as destructive heresies. And then he warned that many will follow their destructive ways. People are not going to be saved, and Christians are not going to live victorious lives if they're following destructive heresies. The whole counsel of God must be declared. Listen, my friends, if ever the world and the church needed contenders, it is now. Everything that we hold near and dear is being threatened. If you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you will find account after account after account of fearless Christian defenders of the faith who paid with their lives. Oh my, may God raise up a new generation of men and women who would be willing to stand for the truth at any cost. And finally, we're also able to glean from this first Jude's concern. We were to contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. That faith spoken of here is not the personal faith by which one is saved. Rather, it is the entire revelation from God, the whole body of truth as contained in his word. Individuals down through the ages have tried both to add and to take away from this body of doctrine, which accounts for the significant number of pseudo-Christian cults present today. This is why we stand so strongly on the Word of God as it is given to us. The Bible is our sole authority in all matters of faith and practice. We remember that sola from the Protestant Reformation, sola scriptura. We would do well to remember Peter's words from 1 Peter 1.25 where he says, But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. The Bible is God's self-revelation. It speaks the condition of man and the clear, simple plan of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ is the glorious theme of the scriptures. His salvation shines forth from its pages as a guiding light to those who are being saved. It is the source of truth and source of doctrine. 
Finally, notice how the Holy Spirit led you to point out that this body of doctrine, known as the faith, was once for all delivered to the saints, not twice or thrice delivered. It is not being delivered, but it was once delivered. What about those who claim that they have or are still receiving revelation from God? Well, we say the canon of Scripture has been closed for millennia. The Bible tells us that the revelation of God is complete and that no new revelation is being added. The body of truth, the faith, as the Bible calls it, was finalized at a point in time in history. It was, as Jude says, once for all delivered. God's word is both full and final. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your calling on our lives. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who came into this world to offer himself as the Lamb of God and took our sin on that cross so that as we place our faith and trust in him, we receive this precious salvation. Father, may you use this epistle to encourage us, to stir us, to be faithful in our contention for the faith. May we do it in love as we speak the truth with those who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you all the praise and glory for it is in the name of our Savior that we pray. Amen.